Hello, and welcome to the Apostolic Church Liverpool podcast. We hope the message you're about to listen to will inspire you, will be a blessing to you, and give you perspective in life. For more of such messages, you can visit our website at www.tac-lona.org.uk. You can also access other messages and resources from our YouTube channel, The Apostolic Church Europe. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message. Um, this morning, we are continuing in the series that we've been on. Um, from the end of last year, the Lord gave us a word that we've been working with um, since the beginning of this year. Then on January 1, we also got the motto for this year. Psalm 99 verse 2, the Lord is great in Zion and is lifted high above all people. He is high above all people. I keep adding the lifted myself. I should write the Bible translation. <laughs> He's high above all the people. Um, and in the past three weeks, pastor has, he has said it all, literally, <laughs> um, from different aspects of understanding that theme, that motto, that verse. Now we understand what Zion means. Now we understand that we are dwelling in Zion. And now we understand how great the God that we are talking about is. Last week, we looked at the story of Nebuchadnezzar, whom God humbled to the point where he himself began to declare the greatness of this king, the unquestionableness of our father. Today, I want us to link it up together to the word the Lord gave us at the crossover service for this family, this congregation, Psalm 23. Um, verse 1, but we're going to read the old psalm, and thank God for the CEU presentation. They've made my work pretty much easy. When you see Esther becoming two in one flesh, it is, the message is put in it. Amen. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 6, not 1 to 3, that's a typo. I'm reading from the voice translation. It says, the eternal is my shepherd. He cares for me always. I know you know it from the KJV. I've chosen a different translation so that you can be first to follow. <laughs> Verse 2, he provides me rest in rich green fields beside streams of refreshing water. He suits my fears. He makes me whole again, steering me off one hard path to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. Even in the unending shadows of death's darkness, I am not overcome by fear because you are with me in those dark moments. Near with your protection and guidance, I am comforted. Verse 5, you spread out a table before me, provisions in the midst of attack for my enemies. You care for all my needs. Anointing my head with soothing, fragrant oil, filling my cup again and again with your grace. And verse 6, certainly, most assuredly, your faithful protection and loving provision will pursue me where I go always, everywhere. And I will always be with the eternal in your house forever. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. 
Once again, Lord, as we go into your word, speak to us and bless us from your word. In Jesus' mighty name we prayed. Amen. I want to take us back to Africa, back to my village this morning as we start with a proverb that the fathers used to say. There are many people that are older than me. And part of the cultural thing about proverbs in the place where I come from is if as a young person you want to say a proverb, you must first of all respect the fathers that represent and say, in other words, I know that I'm not old enough to be making proverbs in your presence, but permit me, indulge me to share from that wisdom. There's a proverb that says, and I put the interpretation there for you because that's deep. Condition that gave a sheep a cold or kata. If the same condition befell a goat, it would result in its death. I want you to think of that for a few seconds, and I want just one or two people to say, what does that proverb say to you? And then we'll link it up together and just tie up some thoughts from Psalm 23 um, for today's message. What does that proverb say to you? The condition that gave a sheep same condition befell a goat that goat will be gone will be a goner we are not saying a fan it would have died what does that proverb say to you anybody 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 sister if you can help me pass the mic and you can volunteer yourself to start <laughs> Pastor will come and end with you. Go on. Um, what it speaks to me is that the Lord treats us equal, but when it comes to instructions part time, mm. it would give you instructions that befit what He wants to glorify Him. Mm. So, what He would tell someone else is not the same thing as what He would tell you. If He tell me to eat a particular thing, He might tell the other person not to, to eat something because else. it might harm you maybe later. That's interesting. Let's put our hands together for Sister Ife. Now I'm learning myself. That's good. Sister Lioness. So I'm thinking to follow up on what Ife said, mm -hmm. I'm thinking that it's um, like a different stroke for different folks. Mm. Different folks. So say, I mean, God knows how to deal with us individually. Mm. Um, <clears throat> the way it will, it will, as a shepherd, treat a sheep mm -hmm. or whatever that will happen. So, so it's like everyone has <laughs> different capabilities, different grace, sort of like. So God, God treats us, even though we are equal in his presence, he still mm -hmm. treats us individually, teaching us individually because we men are different levels, different sizes, different grace, different whatever. So he can't treat us together at the same, even though we are equal in his presence. God bless you. Let's put hands together for Sister Lioness. Sister Titi, go for it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, what came to me was what Pastor always says, when we compare, and it's in the Bible, when we compare ourselves with each other, we are wise. Mm. So we can look at it as the sheep has four, mm. 
mm-hmm. enough to keep it cold. If even if it's freezing, might just get cold. But um, a goat doesn't have as much wool as the sheep, and they might die from the cold mm. because of the intensity. So it just goes to say, imagine if all of us are pastors and all of us want to stand on that podium right now. Mm. Nobody will be sitting here to hear anything. So we are all equipped differently. Everybody right. can't be usher. Everybody can't be chorister. Mm. So like we are all specially equipped. There's something that that goat can do that the sheep cannot attempt. Absolutely. So like we shouldn't compare ourselves and see the greatness in what God wants. Like they said. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Pastor. <laughs> I think the, 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 the verse said the, the, okay. I, I just want to add, it's the same yes, uh, similarity to uh, the bitter leaf and sugar cane. Mm. The same way, but one once grow up, it becomes bitter. Mm. The other, when it grows up, it becomes uh, very bitter. sweet. sweet. Mm. So the idea the, is that the input is the same, the outputs are different, depending on the processing. But the outcome is that everything worked together eventually for good. Mm. Because bitter leaf has its own purpose. Sugar cane has its own purpose. Too much of sugar cane, it gives you diabetes. And you need the bitter leaf to conquer it. Praise God. So <laughs> that's Because eventually, if the goat die, it, it feeds human being and we mm. get fed. And uh, sheep, uh, we carry on using the, the, the fork to, to make blood. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, sir. Let's put us together for everyone and for Pastor. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, yes, I mean, the different shades and sides to it that came to me as comfort in all of our contributions. I also remember this scripture that says, when others are saying there is a casting down, we shall say there is a lifting up, especially when you then begin to look at the proverb, almost literally vis-a-vis the psalm that we just read, taking ourselves for the sheep, and taking the disobedient children of God, for instance, for the goats, you will then discover that there is something that the sheep enjoys that the goats cannot enjoy. And in the context of the psalm that we have just read, it's the shepherd. Goats don't have shepherds because by nature, they are stubborn and disobedient. So they are almost (laughs) undirectable. (laughs) But sheep can be... In fact, it's if you I have heard I've, I've never been a shepherd, but I've heard that shepherds go to the extent of giving names to each of their sheep. And no matter how large the flock is, a shepherd will be able to recognize the voice, the distinct voices of each and every lamb or sheep that is in the flock. That is a very deep and intimate relationship that exists with them. And of course, I've also seen many sheep without shepherd. I was sharing the other day that anytime they talk about sheep, the picture that comes to my mind was one day when I was walking um, on the streets of Lagos in Nigeria, Oshodi, that very busy place. And there was a train that was walking by and I saw like 20 something sheep, all of them just running gullibly, trying to outrun the train, thinking the train is coming for them. And they, you could see on their faces that <laughs> Their hearts are in their mouths. They felt like they were going to die. Even after the train had gone far beyond them and they kept running because they are wandering without a guidance, without a shepherd. They are just trying to do life on their own. And that leads me to share very briefly with us what I've titled Shipping 101. Say to your neighbor, Shipping 101. So today we are enrolling in a course that we want to finish the course content in 20 minutes, 
Shipping 101, if, I mean, back in my uni days, I studied microbiology in my first degree, and I know that if you don't pass MCB 101, which is introductory microbiology, you cannot move on to go and do 201 or 301. So basically, what I want to share with us is the basic principles of being the kind of ship that is described in Psalm 23. Because what is described in Psalm 23 is not true of every ship in the world. It's not every ship there is that enjoys the kind of thing that David himself, being a shepherd, was poetically articulating and attributing God to be a shepherd. It's not every ship that enjoys that. But what would it take to be the kind of ship that enjoys that? That's what we want to quickly experience or, I mean, share together in the next few minutes that we have. The youth meeting for our church on Friday, I was sharing these quotes with them. Um, sometimes in the 16th century, there were some church fathers that came together and put together what was called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it starts with, it's just a statement of faith, basically something like what we believe and teach. Um, and it begins with a question that is timeless, the question of what is, what is the purpose of every man? What is the chief end of every human being that God made? What's, what's the ultimate purpose for each of us, for you and the person sitting next to you? And they go on to answer that question ever so simply. A man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever to glorify God and to enjoy him, not just for one year, but for all of eternity, to enjoy God for question then comes, how many of us are not only living a life that glorifies God, but also shows that we are enjoying him. You know, the part of giving glory to God, we can almost do it religiously and spiritually. Um, you can, we say it often and often in prayers, Father, we glorify you. God, we give you the glory. We give you the glory. Good. But enjoying God, like the shepherd that we read about, that has everything to the point where he says, I have no need. That is confidence that even when he walks through the valley of shadow, he's fine because the shepherd is with him. That is persuaded that every single day, there is more than enough to eat. Verse 5 of Psalm 23 in the, in the message translation says, it prepares before me a six-course dinner. Imagine you eating six-course breakfast, six-course lunch, six-course dinner every single day. And of course, that kind of dinner will not give you unnecessary fat because it is made by God. Amen. That's enjoy. It's, it's a picture of enjoyment that transcends what I have experienced. It's a picture of enjoyment that sets a standard for me that I want to aim for even as I go into this year. So we want to look into that psalm again and just draw out a few things that we can do to become the kind of sheep that will enjoy the kind of shepherd that Psalm 23 puts to us. How to be a Psalm 23 kind of sheep. Amen. This point is from the very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want my shepherd. This is the sheep speaking, metaphorically speaking, and saying, the Lord is my own shepherd. And so the first resolution I want to pass on to us from that psalm to be the kind of sheep that would enjoy those promises is resolve to own your shepherd. And I ask myself, how do I do that? How do I own God? In fact, that's almost a very big theologically controversial thing to say. How can I claim God? But we know that he wants us to claim him because he keeps saying to us that I am yours and you are mine. The new covenant is a covenant of I am yours. God is saying to you is for you. And he also wants you to be for him. And so it's a mutual thing. How do we own God. And no sooner had I asked that question than the Holy Spirit gave me an answer from likening it to when our two boys were beginning to know and respond to the name that we've given them. When you give a child a name on the naming ceremony, they, they are clueless. Most times they are sleeping. But the more you continue to call that name, Joshua, Odudorua, Oluadamipe, it gets to a point where you call that name, they look in your direction because they feel like, ah, you've said this word around us so much. And the kind of person that we know you to be, we believe you are trustworthy. When we pull, we are the one that changes our nappies. When we are hungry, we are the one that makes sure that we are fed. Maybe there is something about that word that we need to intentionally hone. And so without even thinking of it, or anything, we grow up to own the names our parents gave us because we've heard it so much that it has become to not respond is to be foolish because now that's our identity, we owned it. And of course, some people as well come to a point where they reject whatever name they've been given and choose whatever name they want to choose for themselves and own it. But I want us to start from that point of owning God this year, and how would that happen by repeated exposure to him from his word, from his people, when you hear testimonies in church, or when we share with ourselves as brothers to brother, sister to sister, all of those things can culminate in us knowing something of God to the point where I want to say that God is not just the God for Christians, he is my God. And that's a possibility. No matter how far away you are from coming to that point, it's a possibility. The only disciple that vehemently doubted that Jesus was raised from the dead because he was not there when he appeared to the rest of them, Thomas, was the one that went on to make one of the most powerful theological statements of all times. When Jesus eventually appeared to him eight days after the his resurrection, and Thomas was there, and he invited him and said, dip your hands to my side. He said, you will not believe until you have seen. Come and see where the, the spear went through. Come and see where the nails went through. And Bible says, when he saw those things, he made the proclamation and said, my Lord and my God. No one has called Jesus by those two titles together. But yet, that's the title we continue to ascribe to him forever. Who gave us those, those titles? Thomas, a doubter, that eventually came to a point where he owned, it's no longer, I have heard what they said about you. Now I'm saying you are truly my own. In my Bible reading for this year, we finished the book of Job some 
this back last sometimes last week and the last chapter of job verse five after you've gone through this very excruciating painful drama that was going on in his life it came to a conclusion he has heard from god god has shown up and given him a barrage of rhetorical questions that makes him more than ever so sure that indeed this god we are talking about is greater than he could ever comprehend and he said in job 42 verse 5 i have heard of you before by the hearing of the hair but now my eyes have seen you he moved from the point of whatever level his relationship with god was before he went through that trial to the point where he's able to say this god is my my god and one other way that we could actually come to this point of ownership is from his name. And I want to quickly show you something that I learned. Um, it's been over 10 years now, actually. I think it was like around 2010 when I heard this message for the first time. You know, when the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord there is the word we now pronounce as Yahweh. But indeed, in the Hebrew, I've, I've never spoken Hebrew in my life, and I've never studied Hebrew. But in the Hebrew, the word is actually just four consonants, Y-H-W-H. Um, any of you would have heard those say your song, That's the word he's referring to. He's calling those alphabets in Hebrew, Yud, A, Vav A. And I heard um, Pastor Joseph Prince preach on this many years ago, and he was trying to give, as it were, an insight into this name that it has stayed with me ever since then. And that's why I could connect readily with what Joseph was singing about when he sang that song. So let me just help us see as many of us that could get it. The Hebrew alphabet, just like your A, B, C, D, E, is unique in two ways one Hebrew language they write from right to left rather than from left to right and so if you are reading Hebrew you'll be reading the other way around and you're reading English and these are the first five alphabets Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dale and He. Now these alphabets each of them in the Hebrew also has a picture that is attached to it a picture that is constant it's just like saying A for apple but you know that A can also be for ant but in the Hebrew language, there's a unique picture for each alphabet. And so for Aleph, it's always the picture of an ox. For Bet, it's always the picture of a tent. For Gimel, it's always a picture of a camel, and on and on like that. The fifth alphabet, which is A over there, is the picture of a window. But their own theologians, their own rabbis, they believe that that window is a window of revelation, that that fifth alphabet signifies a revelation into the grace of God. And so when they are speaking in their own, I mean, the Messianic Jews, the Jews that truly believe in Jesus, they would readily ascribe the fifth alphabet to the grace of God. Now let's go to the word, the Lord is my shepherd, Yud A, Vav A. Each of those alphabets, like I said, has a picture, isn't it? For Yud, it's always represented by the picture of an open hand. And then, of course, followed by he, which is, we said, it represents grace. And then vav is always represented by the picture of a nail. And again, grace, double grace. By the time you bring them together, you find this picture of an open hand of grace that is nailed 
in grace. So even in David's introduction in saying the Lord is my shepherd, he's already ascribing or alluding either prophetically or not, whether he knows it or not, he's alluding to Christ. The one that will come in John chapter 10 and I think verse 11 and say, I am the good shepherd. And until you have owned this, what this picture stands for, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have not started this journey of becoming a sheep. And that's part of the prerequisite in our sheep 101. You want to own it and say, he did this for me. Yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But that message must come down to, for God so loved Joseph, Kola Oleola. I must, I must move on in my work with God to the point where I'm saying that what he did 2,000 years ago is not just for the world. Yes, it is for the world, but most, most specifically and most especially, it is for me. Amen. That's stage number one. I'll be fast with the other stages. That's the one I want to dwell on first for us. The second one is to resolve to be satisfied. In him. Remember, first resolution, you are to resolve to hold that shepherd. Second resolution, to be satisfied in him. Every time we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I pause and ask myself. I've never really gotten to a point where I don't want. I always want something. As I am standing there, I want something. Yes, as of yesterday, I wanted to buy something that I know I didn't have the money for. So I want the money for that, isn't it? But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's not, there's nothing ambiguous about it. How do we get to the point of I shall not want? It's to be satisfied in the shepherd. The reason why the sheep in this poem, this prayerful, poetic, loaded poem, the reason why that sheep will not need to want is because of the shepherd. He knows that there is nothing I could possibly need that the shepherd will not provide. He, he, it has come to that point of awareness. It's just like a child and the parents. They just grow into that trust that whatever we want, daddy and mommy will make it happen. Such that those few times when it doesn't happen, they find it in their beginning years conflicting. Because they, they expect that it will always happen. They expect that it should always be there. And two statements that has helped me understand this. One, the first one is from an American theologian by the name of John Piper. He said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That introduction to the Westminster Catechism. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, this man is putting that in a different way to say, the way you glorify God the most, or the extent to which you will glorify God is the extent to which you are satisfied in him. In other words, when God says no to what you are asking for, and you are still satisfied, that's what it means when you are saying you have no need. You know that whatever you truly need, your dependable shepherd will see to it that you have it. The second statement is what we've heard pastors say many times over. Whatever God will not do for you, let it remain undone. That's being satisfied in your shepherd. It's a level of trust. Very many times we, in practical terms and in real life scenarios, we struggle at that point. Because 
we're like, your word said X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And yes, his word said it. But perhaps it's not the time for it because the same word says he makes all things beautiful in his own time. Will you be satisfied in that waiting season? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The third resolution is the resolution to rest, to resolve to rest. As I was entering this year, that's one of the words that kept ringing. And I'm glad my wife picked the same word. It kept ringing to us as a family. It's time to rest. To rest is not to be lazy. To rest is not to do nothing. But resting in that satisfaction and awareness that is not us that is making things happen. It is who, or who is residing inside of us that is making it happen. It says in verse 2 and 3, it makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. The reason why oftentimes we are worried or anxious and troubled and get to sleep during message in church, it's not because we want to sleep. It's because we've thought of so many things. We've had to do many things Saturday night and there are just so many worries. And then you come to the church and you're still thinking about what will happen tomorrow and what will happen next week and next month and next year and next two years when your visa will run out and whatever. We want to have it all figured out now, but Jesus gave an antidote to that that is ever so clear in Matthew 6, 34. You could even do yourself a favor and start reading from around verse 22, 23, 24, and build the conversation up to the point where he then goes on to say, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time, because tomorrow we take care of itself. Tell your neighbor tomorrow will take care of itself. Yes, that direct debit will come in two days' time. But when that day comes, it will take care of. Don't worry about that today. Today, let's worry about what is God saying to us in the next few minutes. Amen. Let's enjoy his presence. When you come to his presence, try and and key into that atmosphere that David was describing when he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the, it's not a, it's I was genuinely glad. Nobody asked him to say it. He said it because it's true for him and it can be true for us. It's Thursday, you're not wondering, oh God, Bible study, another two hours on Zoom. Oh, you are genuinely excited. It's Tuesday, it's PLS, 9 p.m. Oh, we'll hear Bob Peter's voice again. <laughs> no. Genuinely excited. Genuinely excited because you, you see it as another opportunity to actually intentionally cast your cares over to the one that invited you to do that to him. Amen. The fourth one, and I'll be wrapping up now. Resolve to follow. Resolve to follow. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads me. He leads me. He will lead. The question is, will you follow? And if you don't follow as a sheep, in spite of being a sheep, you won't enjoy the rest that comes from following his leading. Psalm 32, verse 8. I love to quote verse 8 a lot until not too long ago when the Holy Spirit started drawing my attention to verse 9 as well. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way. I will lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. 
And then verse 9 says, so don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. Just come with me. In the KJV, it says, don't be like the foolish mule or horse. That you have to put this thing in their mouth, a bit, and, and use that to, to jack them into obedience. No. Don't wait till God has to jack you into obeying him. Don't be stubborn. Be obedient. It's, it's simple and easy, but I know as much, I mean, for every one of us, we are all works in progress, isn't it? But this is shipping 101. You want to enjoy some 23 realities. Don't be stubborn. It says to go and give that little amount that is yet not enough. I don't know why I'm dwelling on finances. Maybe God is saying something to someone. But that little amount that is not yet enough to pay the rent that is coming. And it says, go and sow that amount into Brother Lagbaja or Pastor Lagbaja's life. Don't, don't, don't bother asking or rationalizing it out. Do it. Do it. Amen. Follow. Follow. And you will enjoy the dividends of following. Number five is just seven, and I'll wrap up shortly. Number five is to centralize Christ. I mean, there are so many other things that I could deduce from this, but I've just zoomed in on this seven. Centralize in the sense that when he goes on to say those things, he says he's doing it for his name's sake. You know, you can read this psalm and feel like that ship must be really special. And sometimes we can get to a point in our Christianity that you feel, ah, I'm a new covenant Christian, I'm so special. Yes, you are, in the sense that the Lord, everything that you can describe as being special about you, was paid for by Jesus Christ. So our existence, our very existence must be all about him. It's for his namesake. Even when he's leading you, he's not just leading you for your safety. He's leading you for his namesake. He leads you by the path of righteousness for his namesake. He leads you by the stream waters for his namesake. He provides six-course dinner, not so that you can get fat, for his namesake. Everything is all about him. And we must come to that point and embrace that reality. Number six, resolve to fear not. Resolve to fear not. Yes, you walk through the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because my shepherd is with me. And the question is, if your shepherd is with you truly, really, then why should we fear? Well, of course, every now and again, we tend to slide into when you catch yourself being afraid of anything whatsoever. Remind yourself of the truth of his word. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Lastly, resolve to enjoy your shepherd. Here's that verse 5 and verse 6 from the message translation. You serve me a six-course dinner. I've heard of three courses. I've heard of four courses. I don't think I've personally eaten six courses. The only time I've eaten six courses is when I've eaten the same thing five times or six times between 7 p.m. and 3 a.m. Don't try it. Serve <laughs> me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my dripping and my cup brings with blessing your beauty and your love. They chase after me. I don't chase after them every day of my life. And I'm back home in the house of God, not just today, but for the rest of my life. It's, it's a picture of enjoying God that, honestly, I'm aiming for myself. I'm gunning for. I want to 
be able to say that this whole delighting yourself in the Lord is not just biblical cliche. It's a reality in my life. Sometimes seven verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and it will grant you the desires of your heart. It sounds like a blank check. But the question is, are we, what does it mean to delight myself in the Lord? To be satisfied perpetually with, with, in him. I was reading some scriptures that has the word Zion recently. I was just Googling that and just studying each of those verses. And one thing that kept coming again and again and again in many of the verses is joy. There will be joy in their midst. There will be rejoicing. There will be gladness. There will be, it's all about joy, joy, joy. But life is filled with many reasons not to be joyful. But when you are enjoying God, you can't not be joyful. In conclusion, or as a recap, several resolutions resolve to own your shepherd, to be satisfied in him, to rest in his ability, to follow his instructions, to centralize Christ and make him the center, to fear not and to enjoy your shepherd. I thought since we started with the Yoruba proverb, let's end with another one. A sheep that fraternizes with dogs will eat excrement. You know, when I see, I've, I don't have a dog, but when I go to the shops and see the highway where they sell dog food and how everything is so packaged and neat and all that, I don't know whether there are dogs in UK that still eat excreta, but I know in my village back home, <laughs> Dogs eat dung, they eat feces. Even sometimes they are very own feces. And this proverb is saying, if a sheep starts making friends with a dog, it won't be a Psalm 23 sheep. All these things we are talking about will not be real in his life. In other words, this year be intentional with your circle of influence and your friends. Don't just open yourself to anything. Be very, very intentional. The Lord, I, I believe that the Lord will be saying to some of us, some specific people you need to cut away from. Don't be sentimental about it, though. If you want to enjoy the Psalm 23 realities, you can't be mingling with any kind of person and expect that these things we are talking about will be real in your life. And if God is doing that to you, again, like we said, don't argue. Don't be stubborn. Just obey. The Lord will bless his word in our hearts in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you because you are the one in whom our hope for delight is. But we are asking that you will translate that hope of delight into a reality. That will begin to, you will take away the veils so that we can begin to see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and invariably, follow you more nearly in every context and scenario of our lives that will be like this sheep that enjoys the possibility of having no wants simply because he has a shepherd that is more than enough. We know we have that in you. Help us to embrace the fullness of this in our hearts in 2022 and beyond. In Christ Jesus' unfailing name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen.